Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. Um, Well, I'm excited about today. We're doing something a little different. I have a friend here with us. We're continuing our series on joy. This is Brant Ratcliffe. Would you welcome Brant? Brant's been a part of our church for a couple years now, uh, he and his wife Tiffany, and they have, uh, they have eight kids. Yeah. <laughs> a, a hand for that, right? A hand for that. And, uh, but but he's, uh, uh, he, the reason I brought him up here today is um, he has, uh, in, in what he does professionally is he is a licensed counselor, therapist, and, uh, and I just thought as we had talked, we just had conversations in general, and as we were talking, I'm going, man, you have so much to share that I think will be really, really um, encouraging and helpful to really any person in our church. And I said, so would you be willing to get up with us and for me to like, kind of do a quasi-interview with you about joy? And he's like, absolutely. So here we are. And so uh, we're going to have him basically try and answer some questions about joy. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. If you're new here, talking about the secular challenges that uh, our life faces uh, in the topic of joy. And we all have talked about how it's not just it's not just a, a choice of joy, but, the, but there's, a, there's a mindset involved, there's a value set involved, there's a whole bunch of things going on, and I want to get under the hood a little bit, and I want to talk even about the trials and the challenges that we face with joy. You know, the, the, the scripture in James 1 that says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because, no, because, uh, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So Brant's going to explain that today because I can't. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. So we, we do want to jump into that. So let's just start with this. Let's just start with uh, the psychology of joy. Why don't you just, before we jump into this too much, um, just give us, before some of the few how-tos, just talk about, like, um, what is joy and why is it so meaningful for all of us? Yeah, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me. I, I love yeah. sharing this topic. Uh, something, again, like you said, I do day in and day out sure. um, is try to get people because people come see me because there's something lacking, and that thing is, is usually joy. But joy is, um, is, a, is what we call a trait. It is a consistent pattern and a stable pattern of, of positive emotion, I can say. Um, it's different from what we would consider a state. A trait is something that's long-term. A state is something that is dependent on external. Joy, in this case, as a trait, is, is intrinsic. It comes from inside, whereas happiness would be kind of the, the, the state or the, the, the state form of joy, and happiness is dependent on what is happening in any given context that I'm in. Um, and if I don't have this trait of joy, this, this experience of consistent, stable, um, intrinsic pattern of joy in my life, then I'm going to be seeking happiness, which is seeking um, these positive emotions in my day-to-day life uh, and experience. Um, so I maybe, if I, if I don't have joy, if I don't have this intrinsic thing, I'm going to be looking for this external We're going validation. to be pursuing happiness. Yes, I'm going to be pursuing happiness. Which is what we've been talking about a little bit. And the yes. difference between pursuing happiness and joy. So right. tell us a little bit about, um, 
Uh, you know, when we talked, one thing that really caught my attention was you talked a lot about the authentic self. Yeah. Um, that we all have an authentic self within us. Uh, would you share a little bit about that and how that's rooted, even in, for those of us that have a relationship with the Lord, it's rooted in yeah. our relationship with the Holy Spirit and just kind of kind of touch into that. Yes. Um, so this is what I found um, through my experience with personally and professionally that at the core of everyone, when we strip away all of what we consider the negative things uh, of our lives, whenever we strip away um, you know, what, what people may even show up for in, in therapy, when we, when we move all that away and when we get to the core of a person, there is an authentic self there. And that is the, there are many characteristics that, that I, I kind of look for to see when we get there because, uh, you know, somebody could come in and, and not even know who they are. They don't even realize what their true identity is. And there's a lot of reasons for that, which we'll talk about um, later. But the, the core of a person is, is kind of akin to the fruits of the Spirit. And um, I have uh, a list up here that I'll show you in a minute of when we get to the core of a person, the most unique, authentic Tim, the most unique, authentic brand, or the most unique, authentic each one of you, these are the qualities that I see spontaneously emerge whenever we separate all of the other stuff of life out. We call so you're it, saying like every person, this is who they truly are it, across the board. It doesn't matter. Everybody who has lived, everybody who's living now, and everybody who will live, this is the core of a person. Hmm. This is the most authentic piece of a person. Um, the, the first list here, are we call it the eight, eight C's of self-leadership. The five P's of self-leadership, the fruits of the Spirit, even in Galatians 5 that we talked about. These are who we are at the core of who we are. Hmm. The most authentic, without life getting into the way. Yeah, but we obviously don't always live out of our authentic self. Well, who can raise their hand and say, this is where we live? <laughs> Nobody? <laughs> yeah, and so that's, I think, what the core of this conversation, this yeah. is why I really wanted you to come up here, is, okay, there is a picture, there is a person inside of us that's our true self. And it's consistent with things like the fruit of the Spirit, the things that we see, you know, love, joy, peace, kite patience, kindness, you know, the, the list that we all kind of want to live by. Yeah. Um, what are the things that get in the way pre from preventing us from living into our true self? Yeah, to it's a huge question, first of all. That's why I asked and it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to attempt. I'm a really good interviewer. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> we'll finish at about 6 o'clock tonight because this is a big, it's a big topic. But yeah. uh, first of all, I just want to ask a question. Wouldn't it be great if this is where we lived? If, if, in, if in every, I ask this question to all my clients, I'm going to ask you, you're my clients today. Wouldn't it be great if this is how we approached every context? If this is how we approached every person, if this is where we lived 24-7? The problem is, is that we don't. Um, and this goes all the way back to, uh, to our birth, to our conception, really, because things can happen even uh, prenatally to us. Um, that can get into the way of our expression of who we're supposed to be. You know, this is who we're supposed to be. Well, let me just set the stage here for a minute. When we're, when we're born, for the first seven to nine months of life, uh, we gain actually a lot of our self-worth from that time period in our life. There's a psychological concept called attachment. And attachment, we use that quite frequently, but really the psychological term of attachment is what happens in these seven, first seven months of life. 
um, if we think about it, when we're, you, a lot of you may have babies that are in that time frame, and we were all babies in that time frame. We were not able to reciprocate anything in our relationship with our parents. We have a need, and we cry, and the need is met. We're hungry, we cry, and we get fed. We're tired, we, get, we cry, we get swaddled, and we're put to bed. We need a diaper change, we cry, and someone changes our diaper. In that first seven months of life, the baby begins to have all of its needs met. So what it does is it realizes that it has value, regardless of its performance. It's not able to reciprocate anything. It knows its preciousness outside of its performance. Mm. Also, the baby's delighted in. Mm -hmm. It's not just that it's seen, valued, and heard, but it also has intrinsic value, regardless of anything it's able to reciprocate in the relationship. Mm. So why do we not all feel that now today? Again, why, why do we not kind of live in that I'm, seen, I'm worthy of being seen, valued, and heard, and I'm worthy of being delighted in? And what happens is, is trauma. Hmm. Um, and, you know, when I, when I say the word trauma, a lot of us think, okay, abuse and neglect, that makes sense. If I'm treated poorly as a child, then I'm going to uh, develop some uh, 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 different thing besides the eight C's, the five P's and the fruits of the spirit. But the thing about it is, is that if, if it was just abuse and neglect that I could point to as, as kind of getting into the way, I would say about 80% of us in here would not qualify for having any type of difference between seeing fully seen, valued, and heard, and fully being delighted in. Yeah. But that's big T trauma, abuse and neglect. Then we have this little T trauma. And that is anything that happens to us that doesn't maybe quite meet the threshold of abuse and neglect, and it can be completely unintentional. Mm. Um, I'm going to give you an example. Well, before I give you an example, I want to I show you a list of, of kind of the things that we bumped against. Tim shared uh, a few weeks ago when he talked about the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he shared three kind of lies that, uh, that Jesus was even tempted with mm -hmm. in, in when he was going through his temptation, the 40 days in the, in the desert. Um, I am what I do, I am what I have, and I am what my friends tell me. And these are more, these are all the different, uh, well, these aren't even all, this doesn't even encompass all of what I kind of bump up against in my office. These are uh, negative cognitions, they're beliefs that we have based on early childhood or even adult uh, instances that we go through. And the thing about it is, if I was going to ask everyone in here to really sit honestly with this list, what would you pick out that you believe? Hmm. We're not going to do that today, because this isn't a therapy session. Feels like one. <laughs> <laughs> but if I were, I would, I would probably say 100% of us would choose at least one thing. And I would even say maybe half of us in here would choose about half of these. Are these true, though? Hmm. They're not true, none of them. But we believe them to be true. And again, it's, it, what I'm finding is that all of these statements we believe are true are based on early childhood events under the age of usually seven or eight. Not exclusively, but most are usually under the age of seven or eight. So how does this work? 
Let's say the okay. three-year-old example is it, that you shared with me okay. is a really good one. Yeah. Jump, tell us that one. Okay. So uh, I'm a three-year-old, and <laughs> wow, you're big. Just imagine. <laughs> Let's say we have a hypothetical three-year-old, and um, maybe it's bedtime, and the the three-year-old just wants to play. It's playful, it's got lots of energy, maybe it even senses bedtime, and so it's maybe a little be, being a little bit defiant even, too. Mom and dad have stress of their own. Maybe, maybe one of the parents just lost their job. There's some stress going on in the relationship and in their finances. Anyway, something is happening, baby picks up on it, three-year-old picks up on it, um, and, but is playful, wants to play. And it's bedtime, so parents come in and say, no, it's bedtime, the baby wants to play. There's maybe this back and forth that happens, and there's this escalation. This, this is a very common thing that happens in all parents, by the way. This isn't a blame thing. There's this escalation. There's stress on the parents, and the, maybe the parents become too harsh with the child, maybe even spank the child. Um, you know, one time's fine, but maybe this, is, this keeps on happening. There is a pattern of behavior here where the three-year-old, during its playfulness and its... its uh, its attachment needs is wanting to interact with parents. The parents become more and more harsh because things are getting more and more stressful in the family. Mm. The baby, the three-year-old, even though this is happening to the three-year-old, because of the way that we are hardwired and we are hardwired to get all of our worth from our, our caregivers, the baby doesn't say mom and dad are, are, uh, are harsh, are too harsh. Mom and dad are being abusive. Mom and dad are, are stressed out and taken out of me. No, the baby thinks it's about them. Kids internalize their, uh, their especially the caregiver relationship, whether it's teacher, grandparents, uh, parents, whoever it is, kids internalize their experience as being indicative of who they are, of their worth. So it's never blamed the kid. Maybe in hindsight, as the kid gets older, he, he looks at the parents and can see that they were harsh. But in the moment, they, the kid internalizes what's happening to it as being indicative of their worth. And, the, and then so the what child... So what would the three-year-old interpret from that? What would they say? What would be the lie they would believe? Yeah, there, there could be several. One of them is, okay, I'm too much. Hmm. Or maybe it's I'm not enough. Maybe the playfulness, the, the playfulness is this tactic to engage mom and dad. And if they're shutting down that engagement, maybe the child thinks they're too much or they're yeah. not enough. Or maybe I'm a I'm a failure even. There there could be very very different um, uh, messages that are sent, but in some way there's this message sent that there's something wrong with the, the child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how does this work? You know, because people don't come into my office and say when I was three my parents were harsh. <laughs> what they do is they come in to my office and say I I can't succeed at a job. I keep getting fired or I keep uh, being passed up for promotion, or I'm not doing well, very well at interviews. Something like that that has to do with, um, well, with many different things. But what we will find is through their experience and what their experience is all because of the root of this lie that they believe about themselves, that they're too much or they're not enough. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so we, we obviously can't go on the journey with you of what you would do. Um, if we were dealing with an issue like this, which probably a lot of us are. Um, so try and, try and give us like one or, or kind of one main idea, one practical thought of how to, how to transition, like kind of these big, huge thoughts you're sharing yeah. that we all kind of walk in and we try and process through. Um, 
but in kind of leading us towards a life of joy yeah. uh, in the face of maybe difficult circumstances we've endured through life. Yeah, so it is a huge topic, but I'm going to try to talk, tie it all in together because that's a great question. Like, what, what can we do about this? So remember the eight C's, the fruits of the Spirit. The, the, what, I, what I do is called self-leadership. I want to put us back into control. I don't like to use the word control because what's happening is anxiety is controlling us. Depression is controlling us. Our, um, our inability to have positive relationships is the, one, is the thing controlling us. And what I want to do is put us back into a leadership position. This is what I do for my clients all day is put them back into the driver's seat of their life instead of having all of these things controlling them. So I have kind of a, a three-step process here under self-leadership. One, I want to assess. Is what I'm feeling toward any context, toward any person, toward any uh, place that I'm in, toward any process or experience I, I am in currently, how do I feel toward that thing? And if I can come up with any of the things in that list of eight C's, five P's, or fruits of the spirit, or any other list that are more of the positive qualities, if I can say yes to that, then I am being in, I'm my most authentic self. I'm in self-leadership. For example, um, how am I feeling toward my job right now? I hate my job. Is hate my job part of the, the, that list that I showed earlier? No. So, okay, what I have to do then is go to the second step is differentiate and soothe. And what that means is I need to realize that the hate, because that's not my authenticity, that's not a part of my unique uh, authentic, genuine self, I need, to make, I need to understand that that's just a part of me right now. That's not all of me. That's just a part of me right now. So I'm going to differentiate, which means I'm going to see that hate as something different than who I am. Does that make sense? I'm going to differentiate that, and then I'm going to soothe it. Mm. I'm not going to try to get rid of it because it's still a part of me. It's still a part of my experience. And I think that's where a lot of people get lost in this process is we try to get rid of stuff, but that's part of me. And there's a reason for that, which we're not going to be able to get into today. So I'm going to assess how am I feeling toward this thing, toward this person, toward this experience. If it's, if it's a positive word, I'm going to go ahead and continue because I'm in self-leadership. If it's not, I'm going to differentiate and soothe. And once it's soothed, then I can assess again. Now, now that the hate is soothed, how do I feel toward my job right now? I'm content in my job, or I'm okay with it today. Something like that, something that's more positive. I know that I'm in my self-leadership stance, and I'm going to carry on. Mm, that's good. Well, this has been really fantastic stuff. What do you guys think? Pretty good stuff? Yes. Um, thank you, Brant, so much. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be around if you want to chat more with him. He'll be okay. hanging out. and. Uh, and I mean, I think he charges, uh, what is it, $900 an hour or something like that? I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Thank you so much, Brant. We appreciate you guys, man. Well, I'm going to say a prayer, and we're going to kind of, I'm going to share just a few more things today. Not that there's much more I need to say, but um, excuse me. All right, Father, we just pray that as we take just a few minutes now and look at your word and take this huge subject and topic and put a little context around your word to it. I just pray that, Lord, you would, we would be open and ready to receive from you in such a way that is uh, really out of our authentic self, as we just talked about. So we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
Amen. So I want to I want to share just a few more minutes. I mean, that was amazing, fantastic, and literally just like a drop in the bucket. Um, I know on this subject and uh, and and how we can respond to it. But I, I want to begin by just uh, I got a picture of a of a runner that I want to throw on the screen to sort of um, help me this morning, kind of give you a little bit of uh, context. Actually, that's me this morning before the church service. Who's uh, <laughs> jogging? <laughs> Soft J. But anyway, um, I'm going to read this verse again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, perseverance in this verse is also translated as the word endurance. Everyone say endurance. Endurance. So when I think of the word endurance, I cannot help but think of running. Now, the running illustration in the preaching world is very well-traveled ground. I have probably talked about sprinting, marathoning, and running more than I've actually done it. You know what I'm saying? I don't do it much. I don't practice what I preach in this area, but it does preach. Are you with me? (laughs) So here's the thing about it. Um, I use this running example because I think it's really, really helpful for us. Um, for a lot of us, if I was going to say, if you don't run, which is probably most of us, if you don't run, you probably know um, that if I tried to tell you to come out and run for, run a mile in 10 minutes, it'd be very difficult, wouldn't it? It would be something that would be a challenge for you to actually go and do. Uh, probably your legs would start burning, your, you know, your, your chest would start burning, your gut would start hurting, and you would, you don't, I, I, I doubt very few of us, if we are not running, could actually do a 10-minute mile. However, if you were someone that said, okay, I'm going to press through the pain, I'm going to press through this thing, I'm going to create endurance within me that I can actually achieve this, that I can actually accomplish this, eventually, guess what? If you push through the legs feeling like jello, you eventually are going, wow, this is becoming a little easier. And we get to the point where we accomplish it, right? And it becomes actually quite easy to do the 10-minute mile. It actually becomes something that we can not only accomplish, but eventually for some of us that are really weird, we enjoy the mile run, right? We get to that point. And the process of running through the pain, not stopping and not giving up is actually what produces perseverance and endurance within us. And if you think about it that way, we're like, well, that process of endurance, of building endurance is actually a process of maturing and growing me to where I can actually do the thing that I thought I couldn't do before, the thing that created a lot of pain and created a lot of discomfort. So many of us are going through life with the belief to be happy, to be joyful. We have to, un- we have to avoid unhappy things. You know what I'm saying? And so we, we, we flee from those things. And I've mentioned this before, but biblically speaking, I believe we can actually be, we can actually be joyful people even in the midst of very challenging and unhappy happy circumstances, that we can actually be completely full of joy. And so when we're tackling this whole idea of mindset, we're tackling this whole idea of who we truly are, the authentic self. I think for all of us, we have to know that God, God can completely fill us with life even whenever life throws its best shots at us. John 10.10, we know this verse, right? Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
Now, what if avoiding challenges, pain, trauma, the, the family, our family origin that maybe have some brokenness in it, what if the enemy was all about us avoiding those things? What if that was his big master plan? What if the enemy wasn't like trying to build some gang of delinquents out there that would love sin? You know what I mean? What if he's actually looking for good people who are trying to do the right thing, but he's trying to deceive them to say, if you avoid the hard things, if you avoid the pain, if you avoid the trauma, you'll actually be happier. What if the enemy's big master plan is actually to get you to run away from the hard things instead of run through them? Because I think God has actually given us a plan that says, hey, you are going to face trials and I want you to endure through them. And when you endure through them, it will actually make you mature, not lacking anything. Let's just look at this visually on the screen, right? So we can kind of say that trials, of course, are going to produce in us, if we lean into them, if we keep running the race, it's going to produce endurance to where the mile run isn't so hard. And once we have that endurance, well, we're going to experience this maturing within us, where life is not lacking anything. It sounds a little bit like John 10.10 10 now, doesn't it? A life to the full of joy and contentment. So whether you are uh, trying to run a mile or you're, you're um, trying to figure out life right now, I just want to encourage you with something. That this idea of endurance isn't just keep pressing. It reminds me of a story uh, that we find in the scriptures, a guy named Jacob. Jacob in uh, Genesis chapter 25 through 33. It's a long story, um, so I can't touch it all, but I'll just, I just want to touch a piece of that life. It's, it's a phenomenal story. You should read it sometime on your own. Um, but at the end, end of his kind of story, he's at a crossroads in his life, a moment where the scriptures say that Jacob actually wrestled with God. You guys know the story. Maybe some of you don't, but it's in Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 24. Uh, it says this, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that the hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. So it's kind of this, one of these like strange stories, like who's the man, right? And, and the Bible scholars have, that have really studied this, then they've studied all of scripture and they kind of understand the story of God. Well, they've sort of taken this to try to understand who's the man that came up and wrestled Jacob. And um, they, they, they come to the conclusion that this is clearly uh, God in the form of a man, which when we think about that, I mean, this is a very familiar story. Like when has God come in the form of a man <laughs> in the scriptures, right? And of course, in Jesus, right? So Jesus comes as a form of a man. And so many scholars are saying this is an Old Testament uh, example and moment where Jesus showed up. And so at minimum, even if we can't say definitively that it was Jesus, it was God in some form of a man. And the only time we saw that happen was when Jesus came. And so we indeed know that this is the Lord wrestling with Jacob. And it's important to notice that Jacob doesn't come to God that night, he's standing at the edge of this river, and God comes to him. And God actually says, or doesn't say, he just begins. He says, I didn't come for something, but I came to wrestle with you, Jacob. It's important to notice that Jacob doesn't, um, 
doesn't come in the night looking for anything from the Lord, but the Lord comes to him, right? Notice it says, they wrestled until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched his hip socket. And so there, at any point in this little wrestling match, of course, the Lord could have taken him out, but he decided, he decided to, to, to wait and allow Jacob to wrestle through the night before he touched his hip socket and took him down. Finally, Jacob cries out in this moment, I will not let go until you bless me. The story of Jacob at this point, I know I, I, you, if you know the story, you get it, but he had been running as in, for the most part of his life. He had been looking for a blessing that wasn't his. He wanted his brother Esau's blessing. He wanted his father to see him in a different way. He had deceived his family. He had deceived his father-in-law, his, all his brothers-in-law. I mean, he, he had messed up nearly every turn. And you know what? His name, actually, Jacob, it actually just translated as the one who grabs the one who steals. That's what his name meant. So I wonder if that name being said to him his whole life had set in. And he thought, that's, who I'll, that's the only thing I'll ever be. I'm the one who grabs. I'm the one who steals. It really does make me think about the things that I say to other people, the things I say to my children. Our words have the power of blessings and curse. We can speak curses over people. Perhaps God is meeting you today even in this kind of this moment that you were unexpected to maybe get into some origin stuff, some trauma stuff, some past stuff, maybe some just lies that you've believed. And maybe the trial, the struggle, the challenge that you're facing, this isn't just another message that says, suck it up and endure through it, although there's some truth in that. But it says that God comes to his people and he wrestles through stuff with them. So until this moment, Jacob had decided to run from all the hard things in his life. And I just believe our culture today, I don't know if you agree with this, but our culture today is one that would rather run than wrestle. Anytime something difficult comes along, we'd rather stuff it, avoid it, push it, run from it. And God models this at the very beginning of his story, that there's something about this wrestling I'm going to go back to verse 26. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. <clears throat> so the man, the Lord, asked him, what is your name? Remember that? Jacob, he answered. Now, if you know much about the story, he had lied about his name before. So again, maybe this is, all, he, this is his entire identity. I'm the one who grabs. I'm the one who steals. But, the men, the, but then the man said, and this is so powerful, but then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and men and have overcome. So this is his blessing. He's giving him a new mindset, a new perspective, a new identity. And this moment, historically speaking, is the moment, right, when a nation, whole identity shifted, their name was the Hebrews, and now they became the nation of Israel, the people who wrestle with God. That's what the name Israel means. Sometimes in our world, 
our, our faith in God and God himself can feel like he's just so far away. And I, and I just feel like a lot of people feel that way about God. And I just know that God would rather wrestle with you than run with you. Or, excuse me, he would rather wrestle with you than you run from him. So if this is you today, if there's just a peace inside of you today that's going, you know, I've struggled with joy. I haven't quite put my finger on it. I haven't quite understood what I need to do, whether you're trying to run the mile, whether you're standing at the edge of a river. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. I know that breakthrough typically comes in a couple different ways. Breakthrough comes through the work of endurance. And so if you're running, I would say that race that God has for you, keep pushing through, let the work of endurance to do the, do the work that it needs to do. And eventually through time, through a little bit at a time, you're gonna be able to say, man, this mile's a lot easier now. And then the other type of breakthrough is of course, these moments in which you stand at a crossroads in your life. You stand at a crossroads in your life and he gives you a new identity, a new mindset. And God meets you right where you're at and he's willing to invite you into something you weren't quite ready for. And maybe that's where you're at today. Both ways are powerful. And I would, I would just encourage you that maybe some thoughts this morning, some touching on scripture, some touching on some stories, some things that Brent has said about self-leadership. I'm just gonna encourage you that maybe one of these things, all of these things, are gonna speak to your heart. And so here's what I wanna do today. Uh, I just wanna pray. I just wanna spend a moment and a little bit of time praying over people. And so I'm gonna invite you to just actually bow your heads with me for just a moment. And we're just gonna pray and just sit in this moment, but I just want to ask a couple questions that will help us start thinking through this. If right now you're facing a trial of some sort, I just want you to start to kind of move into that place of saying, yep, this this is something that is true for me. Trials come in all forms and sizes. I just want to pray um, that the Lord of the heavens and the earth would just uh, come to you as he came to Jacob. I want to pray for you as you lean into the work of endurance and perseverance. And I really wanna make this time just a time of ministry for some people in the room. <clears throat> if right now you're facing a trial or a circumstance in which you would say um, is present tense, uh, or if you're facing something which you would say, I just sort of tapped into some little T or big T trauma that I've been dealing with for my whole life. Uh, I just want to pray over you, and here's, here's what I'm going to do. I mean, nobody's looking around, but if you would just like prayer today, in some ways you're just saying, God, I, I want you to minister to my heart today. Would you just lift your hand wherever you're at to say, uh, I'm facing a trial. I have hardship in my life. I have trauma that I've faced, and I could use some prayer. Would you just lift your hand right now all over the room? Just be brave right now. Just lift your hand up. 
There's a good number of us. Well, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now. We ask you to fall into this room. We ask you to go into these people. We ask you to move in the hearts of these people. Holy Spirit, we know we can't do anything to fix it on our own, but through partnering with you, through trusting in you, through asking you to move into, in our life, that, Lord, we can experience the breakthrough. You can take us on the journey of endurance. You can take us on the wrestling uh, or the moments of wrestling through stuff. But, Father, we know that on the other side, there's a promise of life. There's a promise of blessing. And so, Father, I pray right now that, Lord, a deposit of life would be released into this room through people for people uh, to experience more of you. I pray, Father, a blessing over those who need it. If you raised your hand or if you didn't, but you know that you maybe should have, I just want you to just right now just receive something. You can almost, uh, if you feel comfortable, put your hands in front of you. And almost like you're receiving, and it isn't anything that it's from me. It's just from the Lord. This is what he does. He, he's the giver of life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Just receive the life-giving love of the Father right now in this moment. God, we love you. We trust you. We ask that as we spend some time even praying and worshiping over these next few minutes, that, Lord, you would continue to minister to our hearts, encourage us, and fill us up with your life. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you all stand with us? As we stand, we're going to sing a little bit. We're going to, um, and then have a time where our, our prayer team is down here, and they would love to pray with you about anything going on in life. This is one of those times in which if you want prayer, come to our prayer team today. But let's worship. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.